0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Completing the Narrative podcast, brought to you by your hosts, Sean, John, and Uncle Jim. Today we're going to be talking about the Duke Lacrosse scandal, which happened 10 years ago. Time flies. Have we learned anything? Has the media learned anything? Could this happen again? We're also going to be playing a pretty fun game of who said it, Donald Trump or Kenny Powers.
1: All right, so um, it is Monday. Monday. The 1st um, of February, it's uh, Uncle Jimmy, Sean and John here talking to you again about completing the narrative. Uncle Jimmy, I think um, we all agree that we want to complete the narrative on the Duke lacrosse scandal. Could you uh, frame up the story for the listeners?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, if, you know, for those of you who remember this, this was really uh, an egregious incident that happened back in '06. Anyway, here's basically the outline. In March of '06, a woman by the name of Crail, uh, excuse me, Crystal Gale Magnum, an African American student at uh, North Carolina Central University, who worked as a stripper and dancer escort, uh, accused three white Duke University students uh, of rape, uh, which occurred at the uh, one of the uh, players' homes. Many of the persons involved in or commenting on the case, uh, including the district attorney uh, by a gentleman by the name of Nifong, stated or suggested that the alleged rape was a hate crime. Um, In in response to the allegations, which, by the way, were all patently false, a few things happened. Uh, Duke University suspended the lacrosse team for two games. The following week, uh, on April 5th, the Duke lacrosse coach, Mike Pressler, was forced to resign. And the Duke president, uh, Richard Broadhead, canceled the remainder of the 06 season. Uh, Fast forward one year later, uh, North Carolina attorney Ray Cooper dropped all charges and and declared that the three lacrosse players were, in fact, innocent. um, And Cooper had stated that uh, Reed Seligman, Colin Finnerty, Finnerty, and Dave Evans were victims of a rush to accuse Nifong was labeled a rogue prosecutor, and he was indeed, I think, in the first time in North Carolina history, disbarred. And uh, he was actually the first prosecutor in North Carolina history to be disbar- disbarred for conduct. Really?
1: That was the first time in North Carolina history? Yeah, that- absolutely. Yep. Uh,
0: well, he was and- not only disbarred, he also was jailed. He was sent to jail. You said this to one day in jail.
1: <laughs> yeah, years. I looked it up. I, I did have that in my notes. He, one day in jail, that was a, that was a real, that was, you know, that'll teach him a lesson. <laughs>
2: yeah. so, you know, like 60 Minutes, be, you know, when they investigated this, uh, pointed out that Magnum gave at least, uh, you know, the woman six, uh, rather uh, a dozen different stories. This thing was a joke. I mean, everybody knew it, but you know, again, in the kind of political climate, that's probably what we're talking about today. Uh, you know, they crucified these guys. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're doing death threats against these guys, and they, they
1: arrest. That Nifong arrested the kids before he even interviewed the potential rape victim. Yes.
0: Well, so here's what really was going. I can actually tell the story, what actually happened from beginning to end. Um, Go for <laughs> obviously it. Obviously, there's there's the. There's the narrative that we all saw in the media, and the media was disgracefully bad. in This whole thing,
1: I think th- uh, the whole media was disgracefully bad. Horrible. The they did no the investigation. Of their mark own. on uh, Nancy Grace. Oh,
0: she's the worst. Yeah, but they were all they all were bad. New York Times was awful. You know, all the respected media sources were bad. What actually happened was <laughs> this team had a party, and they ordered two strippers for the party, and this one girl, uh, Crystal Gail Magnum, who was not a student. That was BS. She took one course like three years earlier. Uh, that was a, you know, a media frame job, trying to frame it in, in a certain way. She actually was a she drug addict. student. <laughs> yeah, right. right. all it was honor like a, students. Like something out of a Tom Wolfe story, like yeah. Bonfire of the Vanities. Yeah, anyway, exactly. She was stripping to get through nursing school, right? Yeah, right. Okay. Of course. She also was a veteran at the time. Uh, she was in the Navy for like three weeks before she got dishonorably discharged. Uh, for. for <laughs> what, was, you
1: know, what was she yeah, doing?
0: I don't know. Probably what she did her whole life. Is it, <laughs> and is and I don't know if you guys know, but now she's actually in jail for life uh, for murder.
2: Yes, I was gonna say I, I, I was gonna like uh, go into that later. Oh, good uh, lord! But back up a second, Sean. Seriously, so she was in the Navy. She was dishonorably di- discharged. Uh, is that right? I didn't know that. that I, I found that yeah. note in my in
0: reading. Wow. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a convenient story to frame her as a student and a veteran and someone just trying to get by, a little person, and all you know these northern rich guys did terrible things to her. But what actually happened? So these guys had a party. They ordered two strippers. The the girl, you know, the girls came. This girl was incredibly high. When she showed up, she took their money. It was like, I don't know, 300 bucks or something. She went right to the bathroom and passed out for like eight minutes. She, was, she had like three drugs in her system, and she was really drunk too. So she gets up and runs out of the place <laughs> after that, basically taking the guy's money without doing anything. And they have words as she leaves, like, What are you doing? You're taking our money. And she yells back a little bit, and then she leaves, and that's it. She goes in a car, and she basically is in like a public parking lot, like a you know, grocery store or something. She's sitting there parked, passed out in her car. She's drunk and high. And the, the uh, Durham police go up and knock on her window, and she rolls the window down. And they're like, uh, you're not driving anywhere. You have to go to detox. She says, I'm not going to detox. They're like, oh, you have to go to detox. They're like, No, I'm not going to detox. I was raped. She made it up on the spot to avoid going to detox for the night. And that's how the whole thing started. And that's all that happened that night. And because the prosecutor was running for re-election, it's an elected position there, the DA. And he had previously fired his rival who was running against him, and she was up like 10 points in the polls. So if she won, she was going to fire him. He was going to be out of a job. So obviously he wanted to win the election, and he you know, – I'm sure it was a quick report they did initially – uh, I'm sure the responding officer probably knew she was full of crap, but he just did a report to cover himself. And as soon as he sees this, he says, wait a minute, this is my chance. Yeah. You know, th- this is what I'm going to make my uh, make my campaign on and I'm going to win re-election. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's what started the whole thing is just basically, you know, a, a, a lying drug addict doing what lying drug addicts do. Uh, that happens all the time. That's not particularly extraordinary, but it's this, it was the prosecutor really who was the, the unusual factor here, and that he was that ambitious and completely unethical that he would, you know, make something up. Yeah. And all along, the whole investigation was was a joke. For example, there are very strict procedures with lineups or with uh, photo arrays and things like that, so as not to be too suggestive to you know suggest someone who you want them to pick. Um, so what they did for the photo array was instead of you know putting an array of of different people who some were there some weren't they gave the entire composite of the lacrosse team <laughs> what and just that's how they did it they gave the composite of the lacrosse team and said who did it and she picked out three random guys and those are the guys who were arrested and one of the guys one of the guys wasn't even at the party he was oh at, yeah
1: he, at, he was seen at the at the, so i did yeah. I, in my brief research he was at an atm getting cash the night of the crime <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he didn't even go to the party And she said one of the guys
0: had a mustache. Nobody on the team had a mustache. I mean, it just was a completely absurd farce from beginning to end. And, you know, it's even understandable in a country as big as ours, a few DAs will be corrupt like that, especially in an elected system but the media were the ones who really just completely yeah. dropped the ball. Yeah, so
1: this, is, this is the perfect reason why completing the narrative has a place in our society. So, you know, obviously the prime, the, the majority of the blame lies with this guy, Nifong, and apparently he's gotten what he deserves to some extent. I think I looked it up, you know, he's, uh, he was sued. I think he owes like $30 million to six different players and he filed for bankruptcy. Um, you know, he already went to jail. He's been disbarred. Uh, he needs to go to jail for longer. But the there was another party that was very responsible for what happened to these kids, and it was irresponsible journalism for the media. A lot of this information could have been looked up and vetted before they started lambasting this kid, especially with Na- these kids, especially with Nancy Grace. So, you know, the, the results of this story were nowhere near as televised um, As uh, as the initial story, which is why, you know, talking about it today and getting out to as many listeners as we can is important, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, luckily, uh, I think most people know what happened, but they don't really... A lot of people still say, well, something probably happened, you know, because the initial things were so shocking, the initial reports. Well, there and,
1: was there was that email that one of the kids sent, and uh, the police, when they were looking through everybody's email, picked it up the day after, and it was really incriminating. It was something about, you know, finding the, the woman and then uh, peeling her skin off.
0: Yeah, it was... Kind of a typical stupid college kid type of thing. Now, keep in mind that nothing happened. Yeah, nothing happened. Now, if if something happened, it would be horribly insensitive to joke about it but keep in mind that nothing happened except a bunch of dumb college kids get their money taken right so that that's what they thought it was so he made a stupid joke from american psycho you know that was popular at the time and uh yeah yeah i mean it it only looks bad in context of this obviously it would look immature and stupid to anybody Uh anyway but in the context of this horrible crime it looks you know inhuman and terrible but if you look at it as uh the guys just lost their money then it's okay a stupid college kid wrote a email in poor taste you know
1: quoting uh yeah movie
0: yeah, right. A joke about American Psycho. It's just, yeah. I remember being in college. People would make stupid jokes all the time. Yeah, and
1: you know, yeah. In many scenarios, you wouldn't predict that the that the police would be reading through your emails when you make a yeah. stupid <laughs> joke to your buddy. So, hey, so,
2: listen, Liz. Before yeah. before we go and give the uh, whatever, we have to really sort of bring them up to date about where uh, the lovely and talented Miss uh, you know Miss Magnum is these days, as John was alluding to earlier. Because this is really kind of funny. It reads like a Who's Who. Yeah. So, I mean, like I'm just idi- idiocy. I mean, where she oh, is well, right well, now? Yeah. You know, she's in jail for twelve years. Right?
1: Oh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Who did she kill?
2: Here, here is, I got this right here, but before before we go any further, I, I would like to quote Dr. Evil, because going forward, we should call her Magma. <laughs> Hold on. I like it. <laughs> I'm still going to melt every city on the planet with liquid hot Magma. <laughs> magma. <laughs> magma. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to call her Crystal Magma. <laughs> so, going forward, here we go. March Marcho Six she was hired is this river out there got this arrest issued okay just before midnight on February 17th 2010 she her 9 year old daughter called the police when they arrived they found Magma uh, in her in her boyfriend fighting they she set fire to some of his clothing in the bathtub in the young lady's presence Uh, The building suffered heavy smoke. She was charged with attempted murder, first-degree arson, assault, battery, identity theft. That's just what they found on the scene. Communicating threats, damage to properties, resisting an officer, misdemeanor child abuse. She was ordered to jail uh, on a million-dollar bond, but it gets better. Um, Now, in April 11, following accusation that she repeatedly stabbed and seriously injured a second boyfriend, Named uh, Reginald Day, she was charged with assault with a deadly weapon, intent to kill, or inflicting serious bodily injury, a class C felony in North Carolina. Ten days later, Day died in the hospital, and Magma was charged and indicted for murder. Okay, Magma was held in jail under three hundred thousand dollars secured bail bond, uh, and was uh, which was set prior to her boyfriend's death. Anyway, long story short, she is in jail serving. Let me see, a minimum of 14 years to a maximum of 18 years. This is a total piece of shit. I'm sh- okay. You know, Uncle Jim, I'm shocked. I never yeah. would have seen I that coming. Now, I also want to frame this one more time because I love this. Even after all this crap came out, Jesse Jackson, you know, and you guys probably know this. By the way, Sean, great, uh, uh, great analysis of all this because uh, you, know, you, you came across things I didn't know. Jesse Jackson, after all of this and the Rainbow Coalition, said – no matter what, even though she, you know, she did this, that we're going to pay for her college education. Like, because remember, she was an honor student at Wait, North Carolina af- State. after,
1: so, after yeah. the murder?
2: No, no, I me I after, after the Duke lacrosse guy. Oh, after Still, the false yeah. accusation of rape? That's correct. But she was, oh. you know, such a stellar uh, citizen in the community that, and obviously a victim, which oh, we always yeah. talk about, she, that he was going to, yeah, he was going to give, you know, she was going to get a scholarship no matter what. It was irrelevant that she was, you know, a, you know, a, a psychotic sociopath.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, he obviously, you know, was trying to signal that he doesn't believe that she made it up, and that he, you know, yeah, sure, there wasn't enough evidence, but you know, eighty percent they did it, they just couldn't prove it, that kind of thing. Uh, All right, yeah, which, exactly. you know, uh, no, not exactly. It's
2: right, like Tawana like Brawley, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly the same thing. There's a uh, there's an idea out there that the feminists are pushing is that no one lies about rape, and yes. on the face of it, it's absurd because the, it should be amended to saying otherwise trustworthy people generally don't lie about rape, but there are quite a few people out there who are not trustworthy, and they lie about everything. They're like, hey, uh, what <laughs> time is it? They're like, ah, oh, 3 o'clock. Like, wait, I just saw a clock. It's 5 o'clock. Oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> like, really, otherwise, there, are like that out there. Otherwise trustworthy people. They lie about everything, and this lady's one of them. I mean, you know, uh, I had the misfortune to have dealt with a lot of, uh, you know, drug addicts and, and people who otherwise are of low moral character, and they do not tell the truth about anything. You know, their name, their, like, what's their favorite color? Uh, and if someone's like that, they're going to lie about things like rape, too. Like, she was trying to avoid going to detox, and so she made up the story on the spot because it, it worked. You know, that's what... I don't think she meant for it to go that far, but she also didn't take it back. She probably, uh, you know, was a psychologically unbalanced kind of person, and she had some good things come from it, I'm sure, at the time. it probably yeah. treated with a lot more respect than she was used to, and, you know, she likes certain aspects of it. Now, does that mean if some... Solid citizen who otherwise is not a pathological liar says she's raped. You should believe her. Yeah, of course you should believe her. But if someone who is a pathological liar says it, then you look into it. You know, I mean, you look into it either way. But you uh, you don't automatically assume someone's telling the truth because it's it's about that topic. It's just silly.
2: Yeah. And by the way, and, and the uh, the Tom Wolfe uh, bonfire of the vanities was just a perfect example. I, I mean, he really nailed it in that novel. You know, I mean, it's the the uh, the political machine just gets in motion. Uncle and, Jimmy, what are you talking about? Oh, uh, Sean, I made a reference to the Tom Wolfe novel Bonfire of the Vanities. And, and, yep. and in that, you know, like a a young black man was killed in an automobile accident. Yep. by and, an investment banker in New York, a rich right. way investment banker. Yeah, Ex- right. Exactly. And, uh, you know, and so, but, you know, it was funny to watch just the, you know, the, the mobilization of the political machine and automatically he became an honor student and the rich white guy did. It. And this kind of thing, you know, where art, you know, follows, you know, uh, follows reality. It's just it happens all the time. And, and you know, this, it seems like we, we never learn from this, you know. So anyway, that's all I got.
1: Hey, I gotta tell you something though. That's pretty funny. Uh, when I was looking into you know Nancy Grace's role in this whole thing, I came across a video. I want all of our listeners to to take a look at it. If you Google um, uh, Nancy Grace, uh, Nancy Grace's producer, you'll see a video <laughs> of Nancy Grace live on the air, and she's uh, and she's talking about um, she's she's talking about uh, the exploitation of women. To, I, I something like the exploitation of woman to a guest of hers, and her producer starts starts playing this uh, video of Paris Hilton in the uh, Carl's Junior commercial in her bikini, <laughs> eating a burger and like getting all soapy on a car. <laughs> right, so yeah, right, and then yeah. and it's so Nancy Grace is going like Jennifer, Jennifer, why are you showing that video? And um, and Jennifer's like, oh, sorry, I thought it was topical. And then <laughs> they go back to Nancy Grace. And then it's a group who goes, wait a minute. This is the problem. The problem is people are like Jennifer. And then they show Jennifer in the booth, and Jennifer is laughing. <laughs> seriously, you have to see this video. Then Jennifer, I believe shortly before she gets fired starts playing a video right next to nancy grace of a pig fucking a trash can <laughs> <laughs> this was on the air yeah live oh, on amazing. the air you have to see this video it, sean if we have the ability to link videos to blogs you yeah you've yeah, got to link that. it on there it was <laughs> it was fantastic and you tell everyone in the booth is just getting such a kick out of making nancy grace look foolish so anyway uh we got to move on because we've been on this one for a while so one more time though <laughs>
0: okay, <there we> <laughs> Man, uh, okay. So everyone got what they deserved, except for the media. That's the that's the end result. <laughs> All right. So, so moving on, uh, a quick little interlude. I'm going to give you guys a quiz. Okay. Uh, I know we've talked amongst ourselves. I don't think our listeners have heard yet that. I considered uh, presidential candidate, Donald Trump to be very similar to fictional character, Kenny powers. <laughs> uh, I don't know if, if you guys have all seen Eastbound and down. It's a great show, especially the first couple seasons. Uh, definitely check it out. But the, the lead character, Kenny powers is, is just so much like Donald Trump right down to the, the manners and like the slight sort of charm that he uses to get past it. Uh, so I'm going to give a quote and you guys can tell me if you think it's Kenny powers or Donald Trump. Yep. All right. So number one, you know, it really doesn't matter what the media write as long as you've got a young and beautiful piece of ass.
1: That really could powers. be Trump talking about um, the uh, Megyn Kelly, right? Is that Trump? Megyn Kelly? I, I, I'm going to go with Trump. It's Trump. Oh. <laughs> 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 That's
0: a right. Right.
1: Is it about Megyn Kelly? <laughs>
0: no, no, no. It's, I'm sure it's about uh, whoever he was dating at the time. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, all right, the next one. The humongous part about being a celebrity is cashing in on it, making shitloads of money, having expensive, luxurious things. That way, in case one day you're not famous, you can still be rich as hell and better than everyone around you. Okay, Jimmy, <laughs> I, got, I guess the last one. You go. I got to go with Trump. As plausible as that is, it's actually Kenny Powers. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I could have—I uh, like- thought
1: it was too well-crafted
2: to be Trump. Yeah, but I, I was thinking to myself, you know, he was overheard saying that once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to go with that. I was going to take a shot at him.
0: <laughs> All right. Another one. Uh, sure. I've been called a xenophobe. The truth is I'm not. I honestly just feel that America's the best country and the other countries aren't as good. That used to be called patriotism. That's
1: totally Kenny Powers.
2: <laughs> I'm going to go yep. with Trump
0: on that one. <laughs> Kenny,
2: Powers. Ah! Kenny you, Powers. You
1: know what, Sean? My problem is I've seen every episode. I need to, I need to uh, opt out.
0: All right. One more. You did your research. I mean, you win fair and square. (laughs) I am the least racist person there is. And I think most people that know me would tell you that I am the least racist. That's got to be Trump. That's
1: Trump. You got it. If you have to say if you have to say, like, you know, I'm the least racist or I'm the least sexist. uh, You shouldn't even have to say that. But I have a black friend, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If
2: it was Trump, and I wheel him out whenever it's you know whenever it's
1: convenient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a black friend. All right, right there. You're you're out. You've got one. Yeah, I think Trump yeah. would
0: probably say, oh, I think I think uh, Beyonce is really hot. You know, I can't be racist. <laughs> racist. <laughs> yeah. I'm
1: really attracted I, to Beyonce is really attractive. I love black women. Yeah. That, that, that does not count. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Hilly Berry's hot. I'm not racist. Yeah. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: All right, that's the end of the quiz. I think uh, John wins. Yeah, he he killed me on that one. Well done.
1: Okay, uh, so next we're going to go to a couple jerk-offs in uh, uh, Tennessee. Is that where we're going? I think Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky. Kentucky. A couple Kentucky jerk-offs who decide to give $8 million to some other jerk-off to build a replica of of, uh, Noah's Ark. Does it sound like a good use of taxpayer uh, tax credits, Uncle Jimmy? What do you think?
2: Okay, now, I know you guys are probably not going to uh, agree with me on this, but here are my what logic. Make,
1: what makes you say that? <laughs> Have I given up my position?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think because basically, okay, it goes like this, right? You got, everyone pulls out the famous, uh, you know, the separation of church and state, right? Isn't that kind of where we're going with this? Yes. Generally speaking, okay. There has never been a metaphor, more misused, and that has a more of a profound influence than Jefferson's uh, quote on separation between um, church and state. It has become sort of de facto description of the Constitution, when in fact that that phrase is nowhere near anywhere in the Constitution, nor can it be found. It came in 1802 from a, a letter that Jefferson was writing to some Baptist coalition in Connecticut. What's my point about this, right? The point was, yes, there's a definite separation between church and state and this goes way back to the constitution they, they originally started by saying they did not want a state religion okay and everyone Establish understood of that yeah. right, Establish a of, religion. of a state of a state religion much like you know over in greece you have the you know basically it's a theocracy and these kinds of things right and, and 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 they were and they were very wise in that but under no circumstances did they want to abolish religion And here's and here's where I'm going with this. Right. And I'll and I'll and I'll really because everyone since everyone talks about Jefferson's comment, I'm going to go right to the fact that Jefferson himself. Right. Throughout his public career. Um, although he he definitely pursued policies that uh, with the high and impregnable wall that the modern Supreme Court has erroneously attributed to him, so for example he endorsed the use of federal funds to build churches and to support Christian missionaries working with the Indians. Okay, so anyway, and, and also Jefferson's public record on religious proclamations in Virginia, right? And everyone says you know and he did this all the time. Now. He was, he was a big believer in federalism. So when he became president, he felt that this stuff should be left up to the states, right? So generally speaking, I really agree with the guy. He said basically that... We, we don't want to state religion, but, you know, the state, you know, especially from a federal mandate, but the states themselves on a local level can are free to do whatever they want. So, you know, it's, and, and I think that, you know, long story short, whenever people wheel this out, it's really kind of a veiled form of bigotry. And, they, and they've done it historically against the Catholics over the years. They've kind of and they really they, and, and the people that mostly wheel it out are usually looking to, you know, the, you know further their agenda. And I'll just say that, you know, generally speaking, if the state of Kentucky would like to offer tax incentives for people who want to build a goofy ark, and if people want to go see the goofy ark, it's none of my damn business. <laughs> and, and, and I think that the, the issue of uh, separation of church and state has been, you know, hijacked, you know, erroneously you know, far too often. And I would like to leave you guys with the following thought, I'm reading this verbatim. This would have alarmed the founders because they viewed religion, to paraphrase George Washington's word, as an indispensable support for social order and political prosperity. So, I personally would not go see the Ark, but I have no problem with those guys actually putting it together. And on a local level, if no one really particularly cares, fantastic. I'm good with it. What do you guys
1: think? John? I got, I got to disagree with you, Uncle Jimmy. So, okay. So, I, I think, I mean, I'm not the best historian, but... Um, you know, I'm, I'm f- from the New England area, and I'm pretty sure separation of church and state was originally that whole concept was um, really pushed in America by Roger Williams from the great state of uh, Rhode Island. Rhode Island home, era. Home state of uh, Lloyd Christmas. And, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, he wanted to separate church and state because the Puritans were lighting people on fire. You know, like there's a whole reason why we like we want to separate the two. And frankly, like it, it had more to do with like saying, okay, in order for everyone to be prosperous in this country and for everyone to get along and for us to attract people with other talents, we need to make sure that we don't light them on fire for not believing the same things we do and sort of separate the governance from religion you know render unto caesar what is caesar's and then you you know allow people to practice religion the way they want to and frankly like i i'm pretty sure all those people from i'm sorry what is it kentucky i'm pretty sure they would be fucking furious if um you know the the prince of qatar or saudi arabia bankrolled a 100 million dollar theme park you know which had this gigantic uh I don't know. I would say image of Muhammad, but we know they won't do that. But but you know all those people would be furious if that happened. And frankly... We don't elect these assholes to uh, engage in venture capitalism. Like, what qualifies them? What qualifies you know the the governor of Massachusetts to be able to run a goddamn Olympics? We sure. elected him to right. you know make sure that the highways are paved and the water runs, and it's not like Flint, Michigan, where we're like poisoning ourselves with the water. Like, stop. Doing this dumb shit. There's plenty of people in Kentucky that would go to a theme park that was paid for by a multimillionaire, you know, to go see their arc without us funding it. And when I say I say it was mainly it wasn't federal dollars, I don't think, but that's just how I that's just that's how I think.
0: He, yeah, so my main point, me, I think, was was just about the crony capitalism. You know, uh, why are we giving money to people to buy to, you know, these public private partnerships are yeah. just uh, a way for the government to try to control what business does and a way for business to try to take people's tax money for what should be private things.
1: Yeah, can you imagine how heated all those people would be if if eighteen million dollars in tax credits were given to the world's largest mosque?
0: Well, yeah.
2: actually, <laughs> I hate to tell you guys, but the fact of the matter is that churches are tax exempt and so are mosques i know i know, <laughs> the point I know. Now, here's the point here's here's let me, let me address this real quick because that you know generally speaking here these are tax exempt they're not talking about giving taxpayer funds they're talking about stimulating the economy by giving tax incentives and what i'm saying is on a local level if people are okay with it now in your example okay you said if all of a sudden some gazillionaire from um you know the the uh, the country of uh guitar was going to come over and uh and build like a monstrous theme park well he's got to answer to you know you know elected representatives as to whether or not you know the locals want that I'm suggesting that this is a way to stimulate the economy, and there is this bizarre notion of completely separating church and state when it, it, we're in many, many times in the examples that that was not the Founding Fathers' intentions, number one, and number two is that, yeah, that's fine, I don't want to use tax dollars, but if we can incentivize it, and we do it all the time, we give, we give churches tax incentives, we have religious hospitals that take care of people, we have Catholic schools that are open to anybody. Which, by the way, the separation of church and state was the thing that was used many times as early as 1840 by people to um, to go after the Catholics. And they, they argued against Catholic schools. And they've done enormously good work in inner cities. I'm saying get the federal government adequate and on a local level let people make this decision. And tax tax incentives in general are fantastic. Yeah. Because what they do is That they lower the tax rate Thereby stimulating Because I'm a supply side guy Like all of us are So I'm just I'm asking you guys To just consider that opinion And it's kind of cool That we disagree on a subject for once Yeah,
1: yeah So I, I Okay When you yep. let the local level Do those sort of things Then this happens The uh, the people Who are building the ship Decide to only hire contractors To build that ark That agree with their religious values And that's why they tried to withdraw All the tax credits Oh, yeah, valid point Now, they tried to withdraw All the tax credits, and then The courts uh, uh, Ruled in favor of Uh Of the guys building the ship so ultimately they did get the tax credits but that's the reason why we can't let people make decisions on a local level because you have these like little societal microcosms that don't just use you know their shared uh you know political power to you know help them develop some religious sense in their community they also develop uh bigotry and racism and, and you know that's where you wind up with you know Things.
2: Yeah. No. You bring up a really interesting point because you just reminded me of New York City when uh, Mayor Koch and uh, then he's since deceased Cardinal O'Connor, both of them are deceased. All of a sudden, you know, like they were forced to, to uh, the Catholic churches were being forced to perform abortions, which was um, against their objectionable to their religious beliefs. Yeah. And and then Cardinal O'Connor said, "That's fine. I promise you, I'll pull, I will shut down every hospital in the city." So your point's well taken. Yeah. Yeah. And now he where controls it, all
1: the hospitals. Yeah.
2: Where does it? You know, because there were a ton of Catholic hospitals. Where does that line stop? And
1: uh, I don't know. Interesting debate. Uh, so, I'll go first. so anyway, guys, good conversation. Uh, let's wrap it up for the week. And I want to wrap it up by just asking um, each of you: uh, tell us about something that interested you this week that you want everyone to know about. Sean, go.
0: Okay, I'll start. I recently saw the movie. I've been going through the IMDb database and a bunch of the top ranked movies. That uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. But it's a website. They have you know thousands and thousands of people rank movies uh, one through ten and a bunch of the top-ranked movies I haven't seen. Uh, one of them is City of God. It's a Brazilian movie. It's like number 19 or something out of all movies. It's got yeah. a treme- tremendous rating. I saw it re- recently the first time, and it was terrific. It was very different than most U.S. movies. It was really gritty, and it's just about the slums of Rio and how basically it's chaos there, and it's a kid who's trying to survive there. Uh, it doesn't sound like very much fun, but it actually is. It's a it's a fun, cool movie. Yeah. So. If you guys get a chance, check it out.
1: Yeah, the way now, John, that you describe it makes it sound wicked depressing. But you're telling me if I spend you know an hour watching this movie, I'm not going to be depressed at the end.
0: I can't guarantee that, but okay. Okay. <laughs> it, it, you, there will be some there's some laughs in it, and it's uh, it's a fun watch. It's not a I mean, yeah, it's, in the end, it's kind of depressing. It's about a bunch of poor people killing each other, right? So it's not going to be like a, yeah, like a Disney ending, but. Um, it's worth watching. Okay. What John, I know, uh, there may be like a new Justin Bieber single you want to talk about or something. <laughs> Fuck
1: you. <laughs> no, I, I uh, okay. So it's my turn now, Sean. It it's my your turn? turn. Okay. Um, I am most excited about the planet that, uh, Uh, some guy just discovered actually uh, the guy who discovered is the same guy that um, decided for all of us that Pluto is not a planet anymore so we went ahead and he discovered that apparently there's another planet that's three times larger than the earth circling our sun so it's a legitimate planet it's not a dwarf planet it's a real planet so it's going to get a name so I'm really excited about that Uh, the the point is uh, that this is interesting to know he discovered it by looking at the way uh, all of the planets we know about move. And he saw some distortions that the only thing that could cause the distortion is another planet, apparently. You know affecting the orbits of the other planets so he hasn't actually seen it yet but based on the orbits of the planets we know about he calculated that there's a planet three times bigger than the earth circling our sun so i uh i just hope he does the right thing and uh you know he names it something good not something not something you know uh topical or pop culture-y so something like
2: uncle jimmy planet yeah planet, awesome.
1: planet uncle jimmy <laughs> and it's uh, freezing cold and unrelenting <laughs> and, and talks a lot. Yeah. yeah talks a lot. <laughs> I won't shut up,
2: but <laughs> <laughs> well, my week was fantastic. I, I got my Justin Bieber fan club card. I'm very excited about that. It's nice, a mm-hmm. good start. Yeah. I'm very pumped about that, you know? And the other thing is that I found this really cool plant called Moringa. And it is, if you, Go to Siri and you say what is the healthiest plant on the universe in the universe and it's called Moringa. Anyway, it's got incredible medicinal properties, and I found it very fascinating. So that's been my week.
1: Sounds like a good name for a planet. Moringa. Uncle Jimmy Moringa. <laughs> planet Moringa. Like it. It's got all, <laughs> all sorts of rack. fit looking people living on it. All right, so <laughs> that's uh, that's it for our show, completing the narrative. We hope everybody joins us next time. Okay, until next time.
0: Thanks, Adios. everybody. bye
1: See you guys. Bye.